0: want
1: to welcome you today. If you are a guest this morning, we invite you to fill out the Connect card in your pew and place it in the offering plate as you're leaving. Um, GR Kids, we're going to dismiss the students at this time. You guys are free to go downstairs. Uh, You can go with Mr. Jimmy. He'll be in the lobby for you. Just a reminder that Kickstart Young Adults uh, are having a camping trip today. They're leaving today after the 1030 service. Uh, So pray for them as they go off. Uh, Wednesday night, we're also having Bible study at 7 p.m. We're finishing up The Power of Jesus' Names by Tony Evans. Uh, So come on out for that Wednesday night at 7 gr kids volunteer meeting that is coming up also wednesday at 7 p.m this meeting will be for everyone serving in the area of gr kids children's ministry Uh, so you can pick up any information Uh, there's an information flyer in the lobby if you are interested in serving in that area Uh, we would definitely uh, love to have you on board snl youth uh, friday at 7 a.m they're having a beach trip so they're going to be meeting here at friday 7 a.m Uh, Looking ahead, VBS Reunion Sunday is coming up. That's going to be next Sunday during our 1030 service. Uh, So let's pray that the families uh, and the children that were touched during VBS will come out and that they'll be blessed and that they'll continue to grow in the Lord. Uh, GR Kids Level Up Wednesday classes are beginning again September 8th. Um, Also, just a reminder to download our app, uh, or you could check the website to view our entire calendar. Uh, We also still have GR University being offered. That's a great tool if you are looking to learn more about what we believe uh, and just have a a better grounding in the faith. Um, You could go on to GR University and take those classes at your own pace. Our food pantry will be open today following the service. Uh, Thank you again for joining us today. May God bless you richly today as we worship together. And we're going to hand it off to Pastor Reverend Johnny Jackson.
2: (laughs) Good morning. A lot of you don't see me doing this 10:30 service because I'm upstairs running the sound system and, and either working the computer. But for the last couple of years, I've been studying to get my credentials. So uh, it's an honor that Pastor Dave allowed me to be here. And I don't know why he put guest speaker, because I'm not a guest. <laughs> But um, he does what he, he did what he did. However, um, before I get into my message, I want to encourage all men here today for our uh, Assembly of God's annual Men's Day Conference being held at Trinity Life Church outside of Baltimore. On It starts Friday night, October the 5th and it will end Saturday afternoon, October the 16th. So I encourage you to sign up and come on down and go with us. It's a small group right now that's going down, and there's no age requirement. One gentleman is bringing his 14-year-old son. So I went to these conferences for the last uh, four years. Last year, because of COVID, I didn't go as well as I had death in the family, so I was unable to go. But the very first conference I went to, it changed my life. It, it These gentlemen comes and they bring a word. They bring each speaker has a good word. This year on Friday night is Reggie Dobbs. Reggie is a motivated speaker for the NFL. He does it every Super Bowl, regardless of what team goes in. He's also a motivated speaker for the LA Lakers, so you Lakers fans, you wanna come out and hear what he has to say. Then we have Mark Batterson, who is the lead pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He's also written many books. And um, for you who have Right Now Media, if you go on Right Now Media, you can see some of his teachings on Right Now Media. We also have Chris Yoma, Who's an author of several Christian books, and in 2020, his book, he was his book was the book of the year for social is, issues by Outreach Magazine. So I'm looking forward to hearing from him. And Mike Santiago, who's a trainer for the Church Multiplication Network, and he is the founder of Break200.com. So these speakers are gonna come to us and they're gonna have an exciting word, so I look forward to being there. If you're interested in going, you can see me or you can get on um, our webpage and sign up that way. Hopefully we can, it'll be a a fun ride down and just for men to worship and fellowship, it's really unbelievable. Um, The last one I went to was 2019 And it was 2,500 men just praising God. That was a sight to see. So this morning, I wasn't sure how to title this message because it talks about timing. The first title I came up is Timing is Everything. But then the Lord put on my spirit the meaning of life because if your timing is off, your life is off. So... Let me start with this. Timing is a key to a lot of things in our lives today. Whether the situation is good or whether it's bad, timing is a key. A second too soon or a second too late can change the course of your entire life. Here's an example of how important the right timing is in your life. Recently, I read a book by Dutch Sheets, called God's Timing for Your Life. In the very first chapter of the book, at the opening, he tells this story to show how important your time is. And it says, quote, This story is told of a man who rushed into a suburban railroad station one morning and almost breathlessly asked the ticket agent, When does the 801 train leave? At 801 was the answer. Well, the man replied, it's 759 by my watch, 757 by the town's clock, and 804 by the station clock. So, which time am I to go by? You can go by any clock you wish, said the agent, but you can't go by the 801 train. Where it's already left. <laughs> God's time is moving forward, hour by hour and minute by minute. There are a multitude of people who seem to think they can live by any schedule they choose, and that in their own time they can turn to God, but his time is the right time, unquote. We seem to think that Our watches and our time is always right, but God's timing is never wrong. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that you have granted us, you have allowed us to see one more day. Father, we pray that your spirit hover over us. Let us hear your words so that we don't take advantage whatever the situation is that we line up with your timing that we may never be wrong. So Lord, as I give the word today, let your spirit take control. Use me as you see fit. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. amen. Amen. If you haven't figured it out today, we're going to talk about how important time is. We go through this thing called life thinking that we have a lot of time and we can do whatever we want. But more importantly, we have to do things in God's timing. God can change your life at any given time. He can change it the way he wants to, regardless of how you feel, what you think, or what is happening? If we, even if we don't like what's going on, God still can change our life. If you want to follow me, you want to go to Ecclesiastics chapter 3, verse 1. If you want to open your Bible, for those of you that do it on the electronic device, you can go there. And we all have different versions of the Bible, and we all know basically what that verse says. That verse says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. But I want to use the Message Bible version because it kind of gives you a different perspective of what that verse means. I encourage you when you read the Bible and read scripture, don't just read one translation, but use multiple because it kind of gives you an idea of what the verse is. The Message Bible says, there's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on the earth. Time in, in our life gives us an opportunity to choose how we wish to live. We can choose to live a life that the world tells us and how to please people, or we can choose a life in order to please God. We need to take full advantage of the timing and the opportunity that this life presents to us. And in order to do this, we need to have a full understanding of life and what the meaning, the true meaning of life is. We all know the story of Solomon, where Solomon had a dream and God asked him, What was it that he wanted? And what Solomon said was very key. Solomon told God what he wanted was wisdom to lead the people of Israel. You can read that story in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 13, or 2 Chronicles 1, chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. God called Solomon a wise man the wisest man on earth. And if you read the Bible, it says that there will be no one as wise as him ever again. So the wisest man tells us that the true meaning of life, he calls it meaningless. Ecclesiastic 1, verses 2 and 4 says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? Generation comes and generation goes, but the earth remains forever. If you really want to understand what he's saying there, he's basically telling us that all we have worked for, the money in the bank, the fame, our possession, Everything is meaningless. Some Bible translations use the word vanity. Here's what Webster Dictionary says about vanity. It's a quality of being empty or vain. Something that is vain, empty, or valueless. The quality or fact of being vain, inflated pride in oneself or one's appearance it. Those are the definition of vanity, according to Webster. And we all know the old joke about the armored car following behind the hearse because a man was taking it with him. Let me tell you, that will never happen. But what I will tell you is several things will happen when you pass on. The first one is, whatever work you have done, someone else will come back and change it. The money you have in the bank, someone will spend it. And no matter how much fame you have, someone else will come and become just as famous. Now my family, when I go, they're going to clean out my bank account if my wife don't get it first. (laughs) But I got that secret stash that she don't know about. (laughs) If you really don't understand your purpose in life, the Bible makes it very clear that our life is really worthless without Christ. When we die without Jesus, after a little while, we won't even be remembered. It's just like it says, we're that puff of smoke. So the real meaning of life is not wealth, fame, or greatness that this world tells you to achieve. The real meaning of life is the opportunity to spend eternity with Jesus. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Recently, some of us may have watched the Olympics game in Tokyo on TV. Each one of those athletes that participated in those games, they trained, this time for five years, just for an opportunity to represent their country because they were the best. Their timing for their individual events or the timing for their team events was the best of any athlete in that country. We, all of us, who says we are Christians or Christ followers, we represent Team Jesus. And we must do the same thing by practicing what we have learned about the meaning of life. In the Olympic game, only certain individuals or certain teams that one got, got a medal, gold, bronze, or silver. They got a medal. But we, as members of Team Jesus, will get a golden crown at the end. Philippians 3, verse 14 says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The world tells us to get ahead, we must have a lot of money, drive fancy cars, have powerful positions, live in a 32-bedroom home, and I can tell you on and on what the list says. And please, don't get me wrong. If God wants you to have these things as a blessing, there is nothing wrong with it. I can tell you about the blessings God have bestowed upon me, but that's a different story. But what I do want to tell you, with these blessings, if your heart and your motivation in getting these things or having these things does not bring glory to God, there's a problem. There's a problem. We serve a jealous God. And those things that he gave you, if you don't use them for his glory, he will take them away. These things have now become your idol. Here's a story of one such thing. And you can read the full story in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. But I'm going to zero in on one verse, and that's verse 20. And it says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. If you don't really know that story, it's about a farmer who thought to himself, I got all this stuff, so I want to build a bigger barn so I can get more stuff, so I can have stuff for when I need it. God called him a fool and demanded his life that night. As Christ followers, we are not to live as this world tells us. The cars, the money, the positions, the fame, but we are to live as children of the Most High God. We are not letting this world make us weary as we live according to God's standard. For when God's, in God's proper time, we will reap the blessings that God has for us in His promise as long as we don't give up and turn away. The sad thing about this story, when a person thinks the way the farmer did, they are really unaware of how that affects others or how they truly look in God's eyes. They think what they're doing is what God wanted them to do. But let me ask them, how can you be doing what God wants you to do when you never ask God first. In scripture, the farmer thought to himself, and there's where the problem began, because he thought to himself, what he was doing wasn't wrong. We must always seek God's guidance to make sure what we are doing is in his plan and not the other way around, that we make our plan and try to fit God somewhere in there. God should always be first. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12 says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testify that we have conducted ourselves in this world, and especially in our relationships with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so, relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. When we conduct ourselves inappropriate, the way the world tells us to conduct ourselves, we're not doing it according to the will of God. And we're doing the worldly wisdom, and not godly wisdom. When we follow God's plan, we will be able to testify to others on how to live a life that's pleasing to God. And that will that will give God all the glory, honor, and praise that is due to him. By following God's plan, we are to wait for his timing. His timing is not our timing. He when we wait on his timing, he will give us the peace. He will give us victory and joy even while we're here on this earth going through our struggles that we deal with day to day. Those things you may think are failures. And God may allow you to go through that failure. He may allow you to experience that hurt, that pain, that hardship but let me encourage you. Don't think of these failures as failures. Think of them as moments of preparation. The devil will use these moments of peper- preparation to stop you from knowing what God's plan is for your life. And the devil knows, he knows for a fact he cannot stop God's plan. So, he can't stop God's plan, so he makes you think that you are better, are richer, are famous than God has elevated you. He can't stop God's plan. So he thinks he can change your relationship with God or change you. The reality of life is we really don't know how much time we have left in this world or how much time it will be before Jesus returns. It could happen any moment, like the Bible said, in a twinkling of an eye. What we want to do is take full advantage of every opportunity we have in this world to share the good news and live a life that is pleasing to God while we still have the time and breath in our body. Psalms 39.4 says, show me Lord my life and the numbers of my days let me know how fleeting my life is. When Jesus came to earth, he knew exactly how much time he had. He knew how many years he would live, what he needs to do, because he knew there would be a time when he would be crucified. And if you read through the Bible, you'll see time and time again, Jesus kind of got frustrated with his disciples who he was training up to take over when he leaves. That is why he kept getting frustrated with them, because they kept looking at things through a human perspective. And more importantly, they thought they would have a lot of time with Jesus. But Jesus knew that was not true. In John fourteen thirty, it says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Jesus knew his time was numbered. He knew he would be crucified, and he knew that the devil would use that crucifixion as a victory and take over. But Jesus knew. He has no hold over me. Death no longer has sting. So, if we are followers of Christ, believers, and we follow Jesus, death has no sting over you. You shouldn't fear death. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, you shouldn't fear death. But now, don't be stupid and go out there and run in front of a Mack truck to get hit to get to death. No. <laughs> God knows when the time is coming for you, and he has that date and time planned, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Jesus came to prepare us for how we should live in this world, because he knew how this world was. He also was preparing us for eternal life, and that's the world to come. Jesus came as our example And by being our example, he was giving us instruction of what the real meaning of life was, as well as what is coming after our physical death. In Revelations 21, one through eight, it goes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. And there was no longer any sea, will be with them, and be their guide. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, unbelieving, the vow, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolatry, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, if we don't have Christ in our life, that last couple verses is telling us where we, what's going to happen to us after we die of a physical death. As I conclude, there was another story in the book that I read, that story shows how God's timing is always right, and even when we don't even know what's going on, God's timing is is right. And the story goes, Julia Dixon had just accidentally locked herself out of her house when the mailman came up, have anybody ever experienced locking their out of their house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Miss Dixon, he exclaimed in concern, you look upset. What's the matter? Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. She welling, waving her hands nervously. The door locked behind me and my neighbor who keeps my, a duplicate key for me is out of town. My husband has a key, but he's at an all-day conference at a hotel downtown, and I doubt I can reach him. How am I going to get back in? The mailman tried to exclaim, calm the woman, and advise her to call a locksmith. I guess that's my only recourse, she agreed. But to tell you the truth, they charge an arm and a leg. And I really can't afford the expense right now. Things have been tight. The mailman calms her. With the mailman calms her, but points out that she had no choice. I better be on my way, he said. But here's your mail. Who knows? Maybe you'll, there'll be some good news inside one of those letters to cheer you up. Julia looked through the envelopes. There was a letter from her brother Jonathan. He had visited the family the previous week and stayed for a few days. I wonder why he's writing so soon, she muttered. When she tore open the letter, a key fell into her palm. Dear Julia, the letter began. Last week when I was staying at your house, and you were out shopping, I accidentally locked myself out. I asked your neighbor for your duplicate key but forgot to return it. So I'm enclosing it now. Now that's good timing. God would probably have made me either wait or break a window. He seemed to enjoy testing my patience. Not that I'm complaining, I would never stoop to that such calamity." End of quote. How many times have you needed something, you you had a situation, and you didn't know where to turn to, and God came through, and you didn't know, you never expected, and God is always on time. The best way I can end this message is by telling you of one of my daily Bible readings called On Duty. And it says, quote, the result of all Solomon had to say in Ecclesiastic is this. Obey God, listen to him, honor him, give him glory. This is the purpose of humankind. Time, gladness, labor, and uncertainty are all contexts to invite us to intimacy with God, unquote. We can't control everything that happens in our lives, and sometimes it makes us frustrated, angry, it brings us happy and joyful feelings. But for every one of our actions, every one of them, good or bad, there will be some consequences. However, when we base our actions on biblical principles with a foundation that is rooted in trust and having faith in God, our timing is never off. And we will never miss the opportunity that lines up with God's timing. My final scripture verse verse is this, Ecclesiastic 12, 13, and it says it all. Now all have been heard. There is a conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandment, for this is the duty of mankind. That is the true meaning of our life. You wanna stand so we can dismiss?
0: Oh, go ahead. Hello, congregation. Well, I've been out for a little while because I couldn't be here because I can't breathe with those masks. So I told Pastor Dave, I can, as soon as this Mass deal is over, I'll be start coming. But I want to share a testimony that goes along with Brother Jackson. Timing is everything. Last year, I was supposed to go to Honduras around May. That's what I, I like to go to visit my mother's tomb for Mother's Day. But then my daughter, she was going to college and she said, Mom, can you go in February instead? Because she said, I have tests and it will. You know, she won't have no time to pick me up and all that stuff. So I said, okay. So she started looking for tickets, and there was a good sale, half the price of what I would pay to go down there. But the Lord had put in my heart this, uh, in the village where my parents used to live, there is a group that came and invaded some land, and they don't have a good reputation. But somehow the Lord has said that in my mind about these people. So I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I fasted, and I prayed, and there was no answer. So just this Sunday before I go into Honduras, I came to the altar, the ladies pray for me, and as I go back to my seat, Gloria says to me, are you sick? And I said, no, I'm fine, I'm going on a trip, but the Lord has put these families in my heart, but I don't know what to do. And she said, well, how about our Bibles? And as I go out, I said, that's it. That must be Bibles. So then I have this Bible verse in my mind, 316, that I will share with them, something simple, because I don't know these families. So I said, I, since I retire, my income is not as good that I used to be. So I said, Lord, well, if this is what you want me to do, you will provide for these Bibles. So as I go out at Will's Bear, I meet this lady, and she said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to Honduras. And she said, I'm from there. My kids just came from there. So I said, oh, that's nice. She talked to me. She gives me my passport. And as I go to the stairs, I go, wait a second. She didn't charge me for my bags. It would be like $80. So I go, well, the Lord has something for me to do. you know." So I go to Houston. And I can remember the reason that my sister had let me borrow $125, something like that, 150 So then she said, well, she sent me a message and said, don't worry about it. You don't owe me nothing. So I go, thank you, Lord. So I keep going. So I, I told my fasting will end on Sunday. So my sister said I had given up coffee for the whole month. So she said, you want some coffee and coffee and meat? And I said, no, I can't have either one until tomorrow. I will finish tomorrow. So then on Monday, my nephew, I had let him borrow like $500 maybe three years before that because he was going through hard times. So on Monday, my sister said, here he wants to give you half of what he owes you. So I said, Lord, there is Bibles." So I went to buy the Bibles. And to my surprise I got to the to the store and what it has in there? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I said, Thank you, Lord. So I got to the village where my parents used to live and I said to my brother, Would you go with me to visit the family? And he said, Uh uh-uh. uh. He said, I will come back without head. And he said, and I said, well, I have to go. And I said, I'd rather go to heaven without, without head that keep my head and the Lord be disappointed in me. So the amazing thing is that my brother, my nephew, he's a Christian. My sister, she's a Christian, said, we will go with you. So we took off, and this, my nephew's car, and the roads are terrible. The car is going back and forth, back and forth. But we made it. And then there was a truck selling uh, breads and all that kind of stuff. So I bought, and I have. A, um, I bought for the families. And it was amazing that as I visited the first house, they took the Bible gladly, and the fellow of the house said, well, sit. Let's, let's talk for a little while so we visited. Then I went to the next. These are small homes. They're almost like a shacks. shocks. They're like small homes. So the next person said, You know, he said, my family, they're all Christians, and I am the only one stubborn. And he took the Bible. And then the next house, she said, you know, my my son just became a Christian, and he asked me for my Bible, and I gave it to him, and I I have nothing. So she took it very gladly. And then we got to the last house, and there was a young girl, and I said, are you the lady of the house? And she said, no. Uh, my ma- I came to visit my mom, but my mom had to go to the city because my sister is, is very ill. So I said to my sister, you know, let's pray for her. And that young lady had tears when we got done praying for her. And I said, timing and everything, God provided for my trip all the way down. And thank you, Brother Jackson, for your for your message. It's very nice. And uh, God bless you all. And remember, sometimes the Lord calls us to do. Sometimes it just shakes somebody's hand. Sometimes it's a little food. Sometimes and, and when I when I came back from Honduras what I was when the pandemic got really heavy, and I said, how about is I didn't listen to do what he asked me to do and one of those families could have got the virus and die. And I said, it shows that I came back to from Honduras two weeks later the airport was closed. So so God is good and I and He wanted me to go early because He knew what it was coming. I won't be able to make it, you know. So God bless you all. May you have a good day. And remember God is good. And sometimes it's not a lot that He has. Sometimes it's just little things that will make a difference in somebody's life. God bless you.
2: Thank you. God's timing is always right. <laughs> We don't know sometimes what he has planned for us, but if we follow his plan, we can never be wrong. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to present to your people your word. Lord, let us follow your timing and your plan, regardless of what it costs us, Lord, because your son came and gave his life for us. So there is nothing, there is nothing more valuable than his blood that he shed on the cross to reconcile us back to you, that now, through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit, that continues to counsel us, to minister to us, to help us in our time of weakness. Lord, the Spirit opens our eyes, our hearts, and our mind to receive what you have for us. Now, as people are standing, Lord, I pray a blessing over them, that when they walk out the door, your Spirit covers them protects them, and keep them. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before age and now and forevermore and we say amen.